Welcome to the Chef of X podcast. You mentioned that you think you have a psychotic disorder. Why do you think you have a psychotic disorder? It's fucking genetic. <laughs> also, I freaked out just as mom a couple times. So you have Everybody symptoms? Just freaked out to my mom a couple times. That's kind of what she does to people. I think she also relaxes people. And I'm not going to be the person who says you don't give her enough credit, but I'm just going to say. Well, she relaxes people. It's just what does she do with the information she gathers? Oh, um, I don't know. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any symptoms or are you saying just because it's genetic? Sid's mom actually relaxed me a lot. She was the only person who could be like, everything you're experiencing is fake. And I was actually like, okay, you might have a point. <laughs> it's fa- wait, it's fake in what sense, though? I um, thought that. Um, I literally thought that my mother was a government agent. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know. And then it lasted for several months. And then I think, um, like, me not being able to go home, like, in november-ish october of last year was definitely like the beginning of that like kick-in why weren't you able to go home i withdrew from berkeley and i guess i was really embarrassed but i convinced myself that if i went home my parents would like (laughs) and i could never come up with like what they were gonna do i was just like i didn't want to go home strict parents to say the least yeah there were also some other stuff going on with authorities that could have triggered that to a certain extent yeah. Thinking particularly underwear-related incidents. Underwear? Yeah. <laughs> that I feel personally <laughs> responsible for. What's the underwear-related incident? My mom taught me a very important lesson about not stealing. <laughs> stealing? You stole some underwear. You know, here's the thing, is that I... You, you know what? Never mind. No, what, what else do you have to say? Well, the main thing is that <laughs> if somebody says something is fake, they're not talking about your experience. They're talking about what you think is going on in the outside world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think th- that's one of the, the, the key things in my view of like, of like truly being psychotic is that you're having experiences that change your idea about the outside world too. It's not just that, you know, for instance, you're frightened. It's that specifically you think your parents are CIA agents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty freaky. You are psychotic then. <laughs> Especially if this was for months. Were you doing drugs? This were you doing shrooms? No. I, all my psychiatrists asked me, they were like, were you on meds yet? And I'm like, I specifically put off getting on meds because towards the end, I was like, I think this is a psychotic break. <laughs> yeah. So I put off getting on meds so that later people wouldn't be like, you were on drugs. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Since then, has everything been smooth sailing? Yeah, for the most part. I think um, I had a lot of episodes afterwards where I would tell people, oh, I don't trust like my um, visual senses and my hearing senses. And a lot of people inserted themselves into my life knowing that um, who wanted to actually like alter what my perception of reality was like two people. And I was really close to them. And when I was telling them about the psychotic break and telling them that I didn't trust myself and telling them that I needed them to like be my eyes or whatever, they specifically would tell me information that was like not true. Yeah. So then I was like. Well, people are pretty, to be (laughs) fair, people are pretty fucked up, even if you don't have a psychotic issue. People are constantly trying to snake each other, scheme, (laughs) rat each other out. Those can all be diagnosed with psychotic (laughs) issues. (laughs) No, I mean, people are naturally manipulative. So it, it 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 just ramps things up if you're someone who's susceptible to manipulation. Yeah, and telling people that, I learned not to tell people that I had any sort of disability. Like even ADHD, I learned not to tell people that I have ADHD because then later it's like I get discredited because it's like, oh, she doesn't pay attention, she forgets everything. Like, but yeah, just the main thing I learned about disabilities is like don't tell people unless you are sure they have that disability too. Mm. Yeah, it could be a risky road. Yeah, because then they know every, every way to like, with you well it kind of brings up this issue that i uh, i don't think it's an issue personally but uh, you know someone else might think it's an issue which is uh just dealing with friendship in general i i since like at least since middle school the way i've operated most of the time is with i think this is the right word for it but acquaintances where there are people who you know i enjoy but I don't necessarily trust motherfuckers with everything. <laughs> so so it's been a little bit easier to like skirt skirt, get past certain 
<laughs> certain situations where I might be uh, overly manipulated. But then also I just accept, well, you know, something's going to happen. Mm. And that's not really that big of a deal, but it is what it is, you know. That being said, from both of you, what are your ideas around friendship at this point in your life? You know, because these things are likely to change and evolve as you get older. And I feel like one of the benefits of podcasts is like taking a snapshot. What are you doing? I'm just is that my tea? The... Was it ever your tea? No, was it wasn't. What is this? What is this? It was extra tea with ginger in it. Oh, ginger. Of course. That's my roommate's favorite. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I think fuck good. friendships in general. Yeah. I was <gasps> looking at his face because I was like, oh, she's got some shit to say. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm <laughs> she's like, because she, you got this face where you just look like you were dead inside. <laughs> well, it just, it creeps me out, this concept of people having like a best friend. And I remember Besties. in like, I remember school, in like three school, months high ago. School, <laughs> okay. Fuck you. Fuck you. First of all. Second of all, thank you. Um, but no, because it's like, I... I feel like that's a horrific idea to have all your cards in one bag. Like, I don't tell my therapist everything. I don't tell any of and like no one of my friends knows everything about me. Like, I keep different parts Ooh, in different. I not say that. <laughs> I, I think that's a general human thing. Like, there are just certain things that like I might be like, oh, you know, like or for example, like I'm into animals. I don't discuss that with you though because you're into not. Animals. Mm. Okay, really? <laughs> are you still? Lying? What do you mean? What do you mean by animals? <laughs> No, I think I think the issue was the word into. Oh yeah, I'm into animals. I'm so sorry. What are your thoughts? <laughs> but don't you think that there should be a reasonable level of trust? I mean, you have to trust yourself before you can actually trust anybody, because mm-hmm. it's like, what are you actually telling them? And I mm-hmm. don't trust myself at mm-hmm. all. Um. <laughs> Which I think we've been discussing a lot recently because it's kind of a common thing. But especially, yeah, yeah it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to tell other people who you are if you don't even know who Once you are. Once you know, like, and trust yeah. other people if you don't trust yourself. Once you know that you're like forgetful, psychotic, like whatever the list is. <laughs> whatever the list happens to be. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't be trusting yourself, but you also should because. Um, if you don't, other people will be able to tell and they'll fuck with you. <laughs> and I think the 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 end of it is basically trust your perception of things. Don't trust that your perception is reality. And don't trust that any one person's perception is reality. Like I think mm-hmm. reality lies bet- somewhere between like what what is the what are the, some of the few common things that everybody perceived? Like okay, that might be considered like reality or whatever. But I think also if you grow up in a environment where you're constantly told that your perception of things is completely off, then you don't trust your perception in a way that's different than if, you know, you are being told like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a okay way to feel. But if you get yelled at for having emotions, you're not going to trust your emotions. If you get yelled Mm -hmm. at for having thoughts or ideas, you're not going to trust your thoughts or ideas. Like one cool thing too, about like trying to figure out what reality is, is that uh, if you have, if you have a larger sample, then sometimes you can have a better estimate. So maybe if you have one friend that says, you know, the dress looks nice, (laughs) but then that might be what you think is reality. But then if you ask 30 people and enough of them might say, well, I mean, (laughs) you know, maybe you should consider another dress. Maybe it's showing too much of your back, whatever. Then it's less likely that, 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 that one friend will have a heavy influence on you. Mm, I think, um, I usually assume that if you take a large sample, most people are going to be wrong. Mm. It's like think about the domes and how Uh-oh. people group <laughs> and um, they kind of make decisions because they like in, in a group. Yeah. And then if you look at the U.S. and like how, how, how wrong we are about so many things. Yeah. But it, so many people are on board. Well, this, I think um, it brings up, so I'm in a psychology class right now, and it brings up an experiment that I learned about within the last two weeks that's, I think, plays a big role in how a lot of people can be wrong about really big things. It was a conformity experiment. So what they had was um, they had participants, research participants, that genuinely had nothing to do with, you know, they came in from the outside. But then they set them up with five confederates 
So people who were actually in on the whole, re- they were scientists themselves. They were in on the research process. And what mm-hmm. they did was they gave them a very easy task. Mm-hmm. And they said, give us the answer out loud in public. Mm-hmm. And then write down your own answer. <laughs> so what they found was the task was like, okay, here's a line. Which line is the same length? And they had all the Confederates lie unanimously. So all the Confederates answered C. The real answer was B. Guess what happened? Hmm. 75% of the questions were answered wrong. Mm. Because the research participant thought maybe there's something these motherfuckers know that I don't know. I think it's B personally mm. but <laughs> we'll go with the group because mm. if everybody's given a unanimous vote they must know something right now here's the thing when you had some of the confederates question it like if it was just four out of five and one person said the right answer then it drastically dropped the conformity mm. if a and lot also, of people questioned it if at least one person questioned it but if it's unanimous that's really when mm. people conform and also they said, right for the, whatever they wrote down on their page, 99% of them got it correct. Mm. Yet when they answered out loud, 75% of it was wrong or 25% correct. So there's a thing about conformity that has to do with um, unanimous votes. And the rough you know, description is that people assume that the other people know what they're talking about. And similar things happen with authorities. That was in a situation where everybody was on the same level. Imagine if everyone was your boss and they all gave a unanimous vote. Mm. Well, with authorities, you don't even need that. You just need the one authority to go in a certain way. And some huge percentage of people will end up siding with that way. So we see this playing out in politics but and in the domes. But, you know, this is human nature. It's not really that anybody is any worse than anywhere else on the planet. It's just this is a social, this is the type of social species that we are. When it makes sense in certain settings, like if everybody was at an event and everybody's like 75% of the people are like, oh, we saw it this way. If you need to make a decision quickly, it makes sense to go just based on like, okay, well, the majority of people saw it this way. That's the most, that's the most likely perception of things. But I think especially when authority gets involved, did you see the videos uh-oh. The videos are really funny of because what? you see of of that of that study. No, I have lines. Okay, no. it's really funny because you see it's just like a lineup of people, and like by the time it gets to the last person, they're just kind of looking around and like they're clearly agitated and yeah. they don't really. So it's not like it's 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 that they're starting to question themselves in a way that they weren't expecting to question themselves. Um, but I think it also has to do with just your concept of authority. Like, okay, so Sada, I'm wondering if. One, if you were one of your siblings disagreed with something that your parents were saying or Uh-oh. doing or telling you to do, what what was the process for bringing that up with them? Okay. Um, it would usually be one person would start talking to one of, like, either my mom or my dad in private and then bring it up more and more and more frequently and then try to get other people to, like... And then start arguing at dinner, so then other people group in, and then they start arguing with them. And then... Usually my mom will kind of counter that, and she'll, like, make allies <laughs> before we can get to, like, dinner or a group conversation to call her out. So, um... <laughs> like, my bro- one of my brothers is always, like, a mouthpiece for my mom. And mm-hmm. so she'll be like, I'm really stressed out about this, 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 and then he'll, like, side with her. And so that's already like, okay, she's one of her kids on her side. Identify the snitch immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's one of her kids on her side. And then, like, if I brought it up at dinner, it might be the two of them start yelling at me immediately, and then the whole thing gets shut down. Or it might be that, okay, I bring it up at dinner. My little sister agrees with me. Now we have two against two. (laughs) Okay, now we can make this like a longer argument. That's usually what's the process. Why did you ask? Well, I'm just wondering because I feel like when it comes to like, like my my experience, if I if everybody's saying one thing and I don't agree with them, I just give up. I stop caring about whatever the issue is. I'm Same. like, it's not even fucking worth it because I don't expect people to be sane. Like mm. I stopped expecting people to be sane very early in my life. I was like, you're wrong. I know you're wrong. I don't care. And you know what? Maybe I'm wrong too. But at this point, there's no way because I feel like, you know, obviously there were less kids in my family, and obviously it was a very different dynamic, but. 
like whatever my parents said was like the truth. And they would be they able like, they would have arguments with us, but it wouldn't matter what we said or how long we said it. It was just always going to end up being whatever Shannon, but more specifically Anne. Shannon was like was like that one of your brothers that's a narc that would then all like always support Anne. Be like, no, you know what? Never mind, never mind. Shut the fuck up. Like this person knows what they're doing, kind of thing. Um, yeah, but if I like if I I feel like if I were in that situation, I would just be like, okay, either I'm crazy or they're all crazy, but somebody's crazy and I don't really care anymore. Like that's kind of like my mindset for things like that. So I think it's interesting that. My mom has this really amazing ability to do whatever the opposite of my dad is. Huh. Like, um, that usually means she's playing, like, she can either play, it's like she good, she knows the good cop, bad cop us, like it's her intuition, but it'll be like, if my dad's really angry, she'll be really calm, and if he's really calm, she'll be really angry, and sometimes when my dad is mad at us, she does this thing where she, um, will be, she'll pretend like she's mad at us, and spend a really long time yelling at us, because she doesn't want my dad to be mad at us, because she feels like that's like a more violent situation. Mm -hmm. So she'll hella be like, oh, wait, he comes home. I'm going to like yell at him. I'm going to make him do chores for the whole, like whatever. And then she makes a whole show in front of my dad and then he feels better and he can just go back to doing whatever he wants. So she literally does like the opposite of what he's doing. And then sometimes she'll just take his anger just kind of to protect us. It's kind of beautiful. It's cool. She reminds me of myself, you know. I too (laughs) have have a very strong sacrificial... Uh, part of my psychology. You know, <laughs> when I see things, I just That's jump in and I take all of the risk myself. Who has maternal breasts now? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of maternal breasts, uh, are you interested in having kids? Yes, but as a lesbian, no. <laughs> but as a lesbian, no. I wish my mother felt the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Why not as a lesbian? Um... <laughs> I, it just means I would be a single mother, which is cool, but it's kind of hard in the U.S. Mm. Why couldn't you, you know, be a mother with your partner? Wait, am I interested in having kids with a man and then staying in a relationship with him? No, just raising kids. Is what I'm oh saying. yeah, yeah, I'd be interested in raising kids. I don't think I would really be interested in raising kids with a female partner either. No. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you're like you can't just. Tr- I mean, like when oh, you get you'd... married, you're just picking up trash. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like when you when you have a partner, it's like okay, you like them because they have sex with you a certain way, or they understand you a certain way. But like, do you want them raising your kids? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where do you think you get that idea from? Um, a lot of the ways that people choose their relationships is really haphazard. It's not based on whether they how they're going to raise a child with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's hard to know uh, what qualities matter. Yeah, it's like one thing to find a partner that's compatible with you, but then to think about, on top of that, how are they going to be compatible with my like kids that I want to have? Especially yeah. if you're not already a parent, because right. you don't even know what kind of parenting style you're ultimately going to want to have, and you <laughs> don't even know what kind of kids you're going to have either. So I think the biggest thing is, like, I don't know. I feel like any of my friends who don't hate their parents, their parents had a strong relationship. But, like, since the beginning of my memories, my parents just trashed each other all the time. <laughs> like, as soon as they would be in separate rooms, they'd be like, oh, my God, your mom is driving me crazy. And that's what they would both refer to the other one as, oh, your mom is driving me crazy. I'm like, well, I don't know which one of you is my mom, but I don't want part of any of it. <laughs> like, was, like, the only thing I was certain of. Because it would be, like, one person would say one crazy thing. The other person would say, like, the opposite end of the crazy thing. And if I argued with either one of them, I would get shut down. But if I told the other person, well, I'm only arguing with you because your fucking wife, the dumb bitch that you decided to marry, told uh-oh, me that uh-oh, that wasn't just the fine. case. <laughs> I can't say dumb bitches. <laughs> I can't say dumb bitches. Listen, this is a safe space. That's misogynist. <laughs> you know what? That Pringles chip that just flew in your eyeball, that was karma is what that is. <laughs> Not sponsored by Pringles. That unidentified crunchy object that just flew into your eyeball. (laughs) I was thinking about uh, parenthood this week for some reason, and I think it was connected to my uh, uh, the essay I was writing. Um, But I thought, you know, I so I I'm I was in a situation where when I was growing up, I was with my uh, my biological mother and father until like the beginning of kindergarten. And then I started living with my aunt and my uncle. And 
I remember maybe once or twice, like I visited my mom or my mom visited the house and then like I visited my dad. But for the most part, these two people are not a part of my conscious experience. They are for my brother, though. Mm. I have an older brother. And like, I thought, huh, well, I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. What is the probability that I ever get in contact with these strangers <laughs> who happen to share a lot of DNA? Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the weird things about it is I feel like I've transitioned from the stage where I had like a, especially when I was a kid, obviously, I had like a desperation to like, like a deep wanting for um, people that I was biologically connected to, to be in my life, even though I had a great family around me. But now I don't have that. So the only thing that's left is just nothing. Like it's not even necessarily a bad relationship because there's no negatives. I don't know the, the details of like what the situation was back then, but for the most part, things turned out all right for me, mm -hmm. right? So it's more like, well, just nothing. Like it's, it's, it's just a non-existent relationship. And I thought, well, to get back to parenthood, to what extent does that play a role in my view of raising children? Because for mm -hmm. me, it's perfectly fine to have zero relationship you know, with a biological kid. Because for me, I don't feel like it's much of a loss. I, I actually think the benefit is that I could think of the world in, in terms of mentorship rather than parenthood. So I could have 50 mentors. Some motherfuckers are going with the bad ideas of two parents, you know what <laughs> I mean? And I'm looking at them sideways like, you really want to go that route? Why don't you consider some other things? They're like, no, this is my fucking biological whatever, and they're right. And then they go down the same tragic road. Meanwhile, for me, I'm just considering what does this motherfucker have to offer me? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It could be a teacher. It could be a, a bus driver. Anyone who wants to give me wisdom, I'm kind of equally open to. And I think that openness has played a central role in my life. Um, could have reacted in a lot of different ways, you know. Arguably, my brother and my sister reacted in different ways. But from my experience... I just think, who gives a fuck? <laughs> At the same time, like most young men, I have a zero interest in raising children. <laughs> not foster kids, not knocking them anybody up, not fucking no variation whatsoever. I'm like days away from a vasectomy every time I wake up. <laughs> Why? Because I just don't see much of a benefit. I feel like, all right, I'm here. I'm going to eventually die. I got a life to live. What's the point in trying to make other people <laughs> set them up so they can live a dope life when I could just live a dope life. What? <laughs> Donate sperm. You can have 10 kids and live but your own fucking life. I know. Life. That, that, yeah. Well, that's, I guess, maybe that's what it comes back to. Maybe that's the way that I will contribute to the planet. The problem is they can internet stalk you now. <laughs> Man, what are they going to do to me? They have DNA tests. They can so? trace it back to you. They can as long you as be like, Dad, you want money? Dad, I want to be a friendship with you. I could say, <laughs> My sister uh, almost no. did that. She was like, oh, he's a surgeon? I needed him to help me get into college. He's a surgeon? Oh, yeah. He's, he's some a bariatric surgeon in Seattle. Wait, you have really smart DNA. <laughs> okay, that's a Are little... Are you surprised by this? <laughs> you yeah, go okay, to med school. All, <laughs> I would fucking hate med school. I don't even like regular school. Med school would kill me. And this is a horrible way to determine your career path. It, I mean, is to trace what back your, your sperm you donor. <laughs> <laughs> then again, it's kind of eerie. All of his biological children are doing, huh? All his. She knew that he had a degree in biology, but when he donated, mm. he was like twenty-five. So he donated he long enough up. ago that my oldest sibling is like twenty-one, and then. There are four of us in 2000. Aiden was How in long do they store that shit? The regulations are constantly changing. Because when Shannon and Aiden did it, it was kind of like, um, well, f you know, fuck queer people. You're lucky that you even vaguely have a way to have kids. Like, that was kind of the general thing. Which is funny because it's not just queer people that use sperm donors. Like, I have a couple siblings who have single moms, single straight moms, single uh, queer moms. One who, like, their mom got remarried. To a dude who had already had a vasectomy because his ex-wife told him to, uh, and then they were like, "Oh, that's God, he's the a worst sperm donor kind of one. thing." 
Well, I mean, that's that's the reason that they said. Um, I don't know that that's even what he said or even what he felt. I don't know this dude. The ex-wife um, told you to get it. Right? But, yeah. <laughs> so that was a whole fucking thing. And then there's Amy, who has straight parents, but her dad's jizz is fucked up, so. Couldn't consider that's that. another thing with the Anne-Shannon thing. Loki Ann was, like, not raising her kids because she, like, didn't wasn't biologically attached to them. And even and if she's that's like, the thing that like Shannon and Ann were so adamant about, they're like, just because Ann's not your biological mom doesn't mean she's not your mom. I'm like, well, she works 80 hour work weeks and any of the time we spend together, it's like hanging out with somebody my age. So that's why she's not my mom. It has nothing to do with like, and she's the biology like, of it. Yeah. And it became, and you know, here's the thing. It's like, yeah, I never wanted kids. Like she really never wanted kids. And Shannon really wanted kids. And so then Anne had kids, and Shannon was like, why do you hate your kids? And it's like, because she kind of didn't want them in the first place. But Shannon needed somebody to sponsor her parenthood. It's basically the theory that I've recently come up with, is that she basically found herself a sugar mama. <laughs> That's kind of how it seems. She was, like, never around. She's like, yeah, we were, like, so in love at the beginning. I'm like, okay, sure. Okay, sure. Like, Wow, That's very interesting. But, it, I mean, it just... Wait. There's so much more than biology. <laughs> it's there's, nature and nurture. Um, the stereotype that lesbians fall in love really quick and then they get married and they live in the suburbs and they buy their Subaru. But also female friendships end way more chaotically and they also start off a lot stronger. So I'm like, maybe that would also happen in lesbian relationships. My parents' third date was their wedding. Okay. So Is this very possible. <laughs> actual, it's not a joke. <laughs> Um, literally their third date, they got married. I'm like, y'all didn't even have an arranged anything. They just met each other. They're like, oh, it's another lesbian. She doesn't seem too crazy. I'm like, well, y'all, I don't well, know the, what the to, fuck. The like. context was this was in a state where it was pretty rare, right? Yeah. They were going to Kansas University. Like, there's not, but I mean, there oh. were some other lesbians there. I have to, like, Shannon dated other lesbians in the area, so. All three of them. All three of them. Yeah, literally all three of them. Yeah. She had 21 animals with one of these women. There's another thing. There's another thing that where people get in, like, really abusive relationships the first few times. And it kind of comes back to, like, having very little support, having very few role models. Because there weren't queer parents at the time that Shannon had kids as a queer mom. Like, and if there were, like, you had to really, really look to find them. I still know of maybe two other people that I knew after I moved. So when I was in Brooklyn, there were four other families, like of just like kids in my class who had queer parents. It was not a big deal. And then I moved here and it was like a thing. Everyone was like, oh, oh, that's a chick with two moms kind of thing. Um, and it became like a very different, like it was like, oh, that's your thing. And then I'd heard about one other person, but also a lot of the time it's like they have kids from a straight relationship they come out, get divorced, and they still have these kids from a straight relationship. So then their their kids are like, fuck you, dad, for being gay because you're the reason our family fell apart. Mm, and it's so this very weird kids. dynamic. Really homophobic kids. Yeah, that was like my main experience with kids who had queer parents in this area was they fucking hated their parents for being queer. And I was like, wow. I That's hate why my I parents for a lot of Riley. different reasons, but... Hmm? When Riley's mom came out, he's like, you're gay, mom. Cool. I might be gay soon. <laughs> he's like, fuck everyone in that town. That's what he always says. I'm like, do you resent me? He's like, no, fuck everyone. <laughs> His grandparents were super cool, too, though. So, Whiskey ginger. Ginger. Riley's the first uh, ginger that I met as a ginger. <clears throat> like, I didn't know... People call people with red hair gingers. He got made fun of a lot for being a ginger in middle school. Yeah. He got high one time and tried to open up to me about it. I was like, I can't even remotely <laughs> relate. I intentionally changed my hair to be a weird color. So. <laughs> also, fuck you. I'm still resentful over the fact that you changed my name in that group chat once to quasi ginger. I'm still salty about that. Okay. <laughs> you made it seem like I was trying to come for Riley's territory. No. <laughs> Riley's a man. Fuck Riley. <laughs> Have you heard about me on his new friend that's apparently like Riley 2.0? Yeah. Oh, I met this. He's James? a history major. Not just a history major, but apparently he like actually knows history. Just excited. <laughs> He's been going to the Teo concert. Are you going to the Teo concert? The what? Teo? Do you listen to Teo? Yes. 
Should, Should I go to that concert? Yes, it's May 1st. <laughs> the only reason I got invited was because tickets went on sale when I was in Viana's room. And she was like, do you like Teo? I was like, yeah. I only like Teo because she had introduced me to Teo unwittingly the weekend before. And I got obsessed with his music and listened to it for like a whole week. And she was like, do you like Teo? I'm like, I do now. Yes, please. I will be there. All right. Shouts out to Riley. Riley's Viana's friend that looks like Riley and Teo. <laughs> Um, for, for all being gingers, I guess. <laughs> Tail might be a ginger. I've only heard his music, but... <laughs> Aside from, um, you know, the biological requirement of raising kids, which everyone on some level feels the pressure around, uh, where do you find the most joy in your life? Not to be a straights rights, a yeah. straights rights activist, but... <laughs> Oh, no, the rest of that sentence has got to be fascinating. Please finish. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm listen. Sometimes I say things about gay people and straight people end up quoting me, so don't do that. <laughs> That's the point of recording you. I don't have to quote you. I could just play what you actually said. <laughs> there's no there's no manipulating. It's just listen. this is what happened. I'm going to say this and it sounds dumb. We're just going to pretend it didn't happen. No, so, it's fine. I I'll say this. something dumber. And then it'll even it out. I read this book about biological gender in high school because I was still homophobic and transphobic. <laughs> so some of those might be homophobic oppressing very old memories. <laughs> but um, there is... Um, I know for sure that when... When um, women get pregnant um, and, like, the dude that she's with, if he's around, he'll, like his, like, sex drive starts to go down. Um, and then he becomes more of a, like... Whereas, like, women get are, like, emotional throughout pregnancy. It's more of, like, when they see the kids sort of a thing. But throughout, there's also a process happening where if they're around their wives, their biology is actually changing. Um, and even though they might not care as much during the pregnancy, as soon as that, like, kid comes, it's, like, different. Yeah. And then... Um, I agree with I'm, that. It's kind of like Anne didn't go through any of that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> she never wanted to go through any of that. Like, they, like, had a brief discussion, like, who's going to carry the kids? And it was very clearly, oh, it's going to be Shannon. Mm. Which makes sense because, like... But that must hurt for Shannon because she was going through that whole process of, like, attachment to her kids where, like... I can't remember the exact biological changes a woman go through, but, like, it becomes that this is, like, all they care about, right? Um, yeah. And, um... And just never went through that. And that's why I would never let anyone else parent my kids, even if they were foster kids, because I know I could still love them the same way, even if I, like, hadn't gone through that. But I wouldn't, like, let somebody else take care of them who would – that's not – I'm not comfortable with that. Well, the thing – I think it really comes down to, like, does the person want to be a parent or does the person want to be a good partner? Because if somebody's parenting kids because they want to support their partner who's parenting kids, Mm-mm. that's not okay because it's not – like, it's it's a weird, like – indirect relationship but like if two people both want kids it can also yeah. get more fiery in that sense because Anne was very hands off she was like okay Shannon whatever the fuck you want to do I don't really care because she didn't there has really to be care. a hands off parent kind of it's sometimes <laughs> yeah but also sometimes it can be yeah I don't know and that's where like models like good models come into it in terms of like okay what does it mean to be a good parent and I know it's also like for me like a developmental thing like any of the 18 year olds I know they don't like their parents right now either like it's just a thing that people go through to be able to become their own people but like I know a lot of people and like the more you know about psychology like the worse your parents seem you know because like regardless of somebody's intent it can be a lot worse and regardless of what you try to hide from your kids they tend to pick up on it too Mm -hmm. that's the thing that like I've been learning about in terms of like um like even just neurochemically like if there's shitty things going on like if there's domestic abuse happening between two people and their kids never see it they still kind of get tangentially fucked up because it's going on mm. and that's all happening at a time where like kids are very sensitive to like emotions and yeah. like <clears throat> yeah the energy like is that. off you can mm-hmm. tell mm. and you just see the dynamics yeah one day of two people someone's just crying and then like you are, you're only getting the before and after so it's more confusing it's not linear yeah. Well, like, especially oh, if yeah, there's, like, lies going on. Like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm just sobbing all the time because I'm fine. And you're like, <laughs> so if I'm sobbing all the time, I can still be fine? Like, is that how that works? Like, 
And eventually you run into counterexamples. Like I, I grew up in a house where uh, there was a lot of yelling. So when I uh, first started hanging out with white kids, then I realized like, hey, <laughs> there's another way. <laughs> but, but in fact, they were yelling at their parents. But that's yeah. that's an extreme. Yeah. That's an extreme. It's not really, not really. That is definitely a huge thing. That is very true. Is that white kids will yell at their parents? Mom, get me a fucking orange juice. Like, oh my god! What are you afraid that something might happen? Oh my god! <laughs> no. Wow. All right. I guess everything is going to turn out all right for you. But you realize it never like, does. Though. It never does. <laughs> you realize that, like, well. Yeah, there are certain patterns. Like if you meet a super healthy person, then you notice their pattern and that becomes the new blueprint. Then when you compare everything else to that, you're like, holy shit, yeah. this was fucked up. <laughs> you just have to not talk to healthy people. <laughs> yeah. Either you completely avoid them or you're going to start noticing like, man, this isn't, I don't want this to be my normal. Or at the very least, also hang out with people that are more fucked up than you. I, I feel like you I should do both, in my that view. Sense where like I had, I had friends who I was like, your childhood was a fucking dream, and then I had friends who I was like, your childhood was a fucking nightmare. And I feel like I'm like somewhere in the middle, you know? Like it wasn't, it wasn't really either. I don't think anybody's ever like really solidly in either camp, but I think because especially like when you're growing up, the entire idea is like, okay, what's normal? How do I establish a normal? What do I want to consider normal? Things like that. And so I think also growing up with a blueprint of like just knowing your family's different is different because you you take things as like, oh, well, this is my family. That doesn't necessarily mean every family's like this kind of thing. But I think also kids kind of gravitate towards other kids who are a product of a similar environment. Like there's just a certain, especially when you're at that age, like there's not a lot of your own thinking going on. So you're just Mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, whatever I've been taught, I'm kind of just going off that and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. But yeah, I always felt like it was like a puzzle piece thing Mm -hmm. where like I noticed when I, uh, I moved to Alabama from Pasadena, one of my cousins came out to visit with, she's like a sister to me. We grew up Mm -hmm. together. And, uh, she said, yeah, your friends are exactly like you. My cousin? Mm. I don't know. I mean, like me, I guess. But (laughs) she she was like, no, have you ever noticed like like one of my friends, his name was Jaleel. He was like an aerospace student. He was a stoner. He had like a huge afro. Only thing that was weird about him was he sang in the choir. I didn't understand that. He wasn't religious. (laughs) He wasn't religious. But then I later realized the choir got super fucked up. And that was the benefit of being in the choir, was just drinking and smoking after the singing. <laughs> so <laughs> he was a partier, right? And um, she was like, yeah, he even, like, he looks exactly like you. He speaks like you. Like, every element about this guy, other than the fact that he grew up in New Orleans mm-hmm. and you grew up in Pasadena, is pretty much the same. You're both doing engineering. Yeah. Um, my friend said was the same. And it's kind of like I realized in several different environments, Davis included, you know, jail shit included that like you kind of are putting out a vibe no matter what you do and other people who who understand that or who are attracted to that or who respect that are probably going to be people who have similar experiences to you or like some realizing it half the time i feel like it manifests in mannerisms that we're not even completely aware of like i'll do certain things with my face that i don't even know that i do with my face until i'm talking to one of my sisters and i'm like what the fuck like, because usually when I'm emotional, I'm not looking at myself. Because yeah. if I'm looking at myself, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm great. It's whatever. It's wonderful. But, like, if I'm actually emotional, I'm, like, avoiding mirrors because I can't look at my face when I'm emotional. It, like, really freaks me the fuck out. And then I'll see, like, my sister talking to me and, like, she's excited or, like, specifically, like, when my sister's happy, I'm like, oh, my God. That's what my face looks like when I'm happy. <laughs> like, that's so fucking weird. And Aiden will point it out, too. He'll be like, yeah. you and Jess or you and Amy look exactly the fucking same when you're, like, feeling this sort of way. And I'll just be like, oh, that might have, you know, been part of it. Or, like, my sister had, like, a deeper voice than I was expecting. And that, like, calmed me so much. Because when we were talking, we're both very, like, excessively positive people. Like, if I'm sending an email, 
I realized this the other day. Like, if I'm sending an email, even, like, professionally, I'm like, smiley faces, 10 exclamation points, everything's fine, we're all doing great. No surprise to me. And then, (laughs) and, like, I didn't realize that that's, like, literally what I put out into the world. Because, like, you'll, you'll say it, too. You'll be like, you're kind of like an um, like a cold bitch and i'll be like i am huh? i think of myself as an emotional wreck but then i'll be like but i i am selectively an emotional wreck. i feel like that was like on adderall though because your jokes were like mean but they were really funny and now, <laughs> and now you don't make fun of people like that you're just like yeah it's not you impression like juggling if i can keep my energy low enough i don't offend people but if i'm happy i offend people that's what i've realized recently like people will call me rude if i'm happy because i'm like i don't feel any need to protect your feelings right now like i'm just gonna tell you Mm. how the fuck i feel and if you know it's amazing that's true well and that's what i appreciate about both of you is because i can actually be happy and critical and you're like hmm that's interesting you don't take it too personally but you also aren't like oh she's just fucking crazy you're like she might be crazy but she might have a point like that's that's, that's that's my happy medium right there. She might be crazy, but she might have a point. Let's think on this. Well, being rude is only a problem when you're not used to it. Because once you get used to it, you just hear what the person is saying. You're not worried so much about being offended. Mm. That's what happened with me and Zach the other day. He was calling me rude, and I was like, oh, my God. Because, I mean, Anne growing up was super rude. But my mm-hmm. concept of rude is like, oh, screaming at me while I'm having a panic attack. That's rude yeah. to me. <laughs> he was mad because I didn't fuck him, and I fucked somebody else. I was like, that's not rude to well, me. That is pretty that's rude. Not... That is pretty rude. <laughs> but I was like, that's not something that I personally have a problem with. Like, if somebody wants to get mad at me over that, that's fine. That's their problem. Especially when nothing was discussed beforehand. So I'm like, there's no, like, if you don't have a, re- like, if we haven't explicitly discussed expectations, I don't feel like I should have to adhere to them, you know? And that's like a very recent revelation for me, relevation, whatever, is that like, oh, if I, if somebody hasn't told me they need something, I'm not required to like, oh my gosh, please be careful. That's about to ash. There you go. Beautiful. But you're not required to feel like, you know, you need to take care of them. And even if they do tell you that they need something, you're still not required to say yes. Which is fucking, I don't know, it's like a mind blowing <laughs> concept to me. Yeah, that one of poor work, yeah. <laughs> I feel like when your survival depends on people that need you. It's a very different dynamic because the the reason that I cater to people so strongly is it because like if I wasn't, it smells like what? It gets a little worse when you get secret. lower. So maybe oh yeah, it's gonna get a little more damp. Because our mouths. I don't know a lot of different things. Also, it's closer to the like where you're pulling from is closer to where the flame is, so it's gonna be hotter. Is any smoke coming out? Yeah. No. Okay. Do yeah, you gotta really light up. Okay, okay. Maybe I'm just. Anyhow, <laughs> being rude. That's something that came up in my paper. I yeah. I, I said, hey, I am guilty of being rude, but I'm not guilty of any offense. Mm-hmm. If you want to punish me for being rude, please do. But the punishment yeah. should fit the fucking crime. <laughs> My family is overly flowery. I remember one time this girl was like, everybody in your family uses such flowery language because we all said like beautiful and lovely and mm. wonderful. <laughs> and um, it's really funny because I think we got that from my older brother. But um, my mom is the rudest person on the planet. <laughs> like straight up. I love rude a language people. difference too. Like that- she's ruder when she's not speaking English. Yeah, basically. Like, I feel like my mom never learned how to be rude in English. So yeah. you can't actually tell that she's rude. Because at work, she always keeps her head down. When she speaks in English, she only knows how to say things that are, like, very polite. But um, I've never heard her not talk shit in Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a skill. It's, it is the 24-7, just like, if she's speaking, she's talking shit. <laughs> well, that's one thing I love about performing arts, about comedy, is that, um, and acting, too is that sometimes an actor or a comedian will show you how to display an emotion that you already had, but you didn't know how to make it clear to the outside world. So they've kind of worked out all the details for you, and you just copy and paste whatever, you know, makes sense for your specific communication when it when it makes sense. You know, like, oh, that's 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 how I really have felt this whole time. But like you were saying, if you don't see other people doing that, maybe it's harder to learn. Maybe that's a part of the process of learning a language or learning how to express yourself. Maybe you have to see other people express similar thoughts before you can gain the confidence that that's a valid thought, that that's something worth saying. 
Well, I think you have to be shut down before you think you have to learn how to how to express yourself. Because I think I think humans have a very natural way of expressing themselves, but it's not polite and it's not socially considered like an all right thing to do. You're not allowed to start like screaming in the middle of a conversation. You're not allowed to <laughs> be like crying. You're not allowed to. And so then it ends up manifesting in other ways because you learn how to suppress yourself, especially if you're not allowed to have emotions as a kid. Because the way that kids express their emotions is very different. And like, you know, once you hit 25, like brain development and like you can, your emotional regulation is a lot better. But when you don't know how to regulate your emotions and you're shut down for having emotions, you have to figure out, okay, how am I even allowed to express this since the way that I'm choosing now is getting me in trouble. So how can I actually convey a similar thing without scaring the shit out of people? Yeah. It, the full range of emotions has to be allowed. There has to be some kind of space for it. And I, I again, I think that's the beauty of the arts, especially things like writing, where there's really no offense to anyone as you're sitting there scribbling symbols on a fucking, mm-hmm. you know, with papyrus or whatever. So it, 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 it's reading and writing can be a way of doing that. But things like, you know, being verbal or being physical are just so much more intuitive that if you can master one of those, if you can master comedy and sports and other shit that allows singing Shit that mm-hmm. really allows you to like go all out in mm-hmm. a natural way, then I feel like maybe your emotional palate is more developed, you know. Mm-hmm. And it is sad that you know, as children, depending on whatever situation we're in, um, we often are in situations where we're not allowed to develop, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but as adults, you can continue to grow, and they say, like, the artist is the kid who just stayed the kid or whatever, for whatever reason they were able to still be connected to the emotions, even if they couldn't fully express them at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your, uh, would you consider yourself a religious person at this point in time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is that a good or a bad thing? I'm just, I'm trying to be more provocative. I'm trying. I I don't even know. Religious community. I don't even know if I'm ready for that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Religious community is really hard because brown people are really fucked up. Like, I thought just white people were fucking everything up. So I'm like, oh, if we isolate, but brown people are really fucked up too. You know what? I gotta, I gotta snap to that because I feel like (laughs) this is, this is something I figured out when I was like in middle school. And uh, then everyone and all the rest of the black people hated me for this. But I said, you know what? <laughs> I think everybody's pretty fucked up. No, nah, nah, you haven't read Malcolm X. Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Malcolm X, from what I understand, the Nation of Islam was really isolationist. They were just like, we're going to pull apart and do our own thing. Yeah. And a lot of these things do make sense for the moment. They just, a lot of, it's just that. Is it a forever long-term strategy, forever and ever and ever and ever? No, nothing really is. I mean... Everything eventually gets inspired. It makes sense for the moment, but we need to, like, relearn our whole framework. Because if you're like, oh, everything is a race issue, everything is, like, (laughs) a homophobia or, like, an ableism, or, like, you have that framework of looking at the world, then if you just get all the, like, queer, non-binary, like, people of color, people together, they're still going to have trauma. They're They're still going to be fucked up. And you're not going to see it because you claim... blamed it on these like certain identities yeah and um so i think we like when we isolate it's cool and it's good for the moment it might be good forever but we need to have a new framework of like dealing with accountability for sure and then we need to also have a new framework of dealing with like what will we tolerate what won't we tolerate how do we um what does it mean to not tolerate something like what kind of systems of punishment go into that who decides yeah we need more social justice warriors doing calculus basically, is what I'm getting out of this. <laughs> That's what Calculus I'm taking. How? We need people who have those those meticulous skill sets that are not easily... They have a lot of emotional stability. They're highly interested in reasoning. <laughs> and they, and they're just, they just want to sit down and ham around a lot of shit. No Talk protests, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, just basic systems analysis. Go study robotics for 10 years. Come and then back. apply what you learn <laughs> to this Systems analysis. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we do isolationism. A lot of that shit really does boil down to just like getting the numbers right. Yeah. 
<laughs> so then you're just like, <laughs> I'm literally mad. not saying anything. <laughs> well, let me. Okay, okay. Getting the numbers right is the wrong no, thing you- to say. What I mean is viewing the world as an ecosystem and saying, hey, there are real people who study ecosystems. Maybe something that they've learned is relevant to people. I think the idea that humanity and logic are mutually exclusive is something that needs to be kind of more largely disproven because that's not that's not true because logic in a lot of ways is like a human made thing like it it, it exists in the world but we only know it exists in the world because humans noticed it so and I mean I think people think that oh you know if you're thinking mathematically or oh if you're thinking like systematically then you're not thinking emotionally and it's like no like between me and like my emotional expression there might not be a lot of logic there but once that's there then we can think about it within the larger context of things and like applying logic and systems and stuff like that but yeah i don't think the two have to be fucking mutually exclusive well i'm someone who spent a lot of time thinking about um what logic is with respect to the physical sciences. Because when I came up, when I was in like middle school, early high school, I really liked speech and debate. I didn't get into logic-based, like I didn't get into um, the sciences until the very end of my senior year because I took calc and I was like, there's no fucking way humans thought of this and wrote this down. Mm. Like any, if it's possible to do this, that's all I want to do. I don't want to spend any time arguing about, you know, climate change with, with stupid somebody. stupid fucking people. With, yeah, you can... It's like, it's, let's have the same conversation over and over. Well, it's, it's a discipline where lying doesn't really make much sense anymore. Like, the only way you can have anything to say is if you're already... Uh, you already have certain values, and um, the way of writing doesn't allow you to make grammatical errors. You know, so it's like it, there's just, it doesn't make sense to use that other way of discussing things anymore, as long as I can apply this way to, to anything else. So as I learned and as I got into it, I answered a lot of questions for myself that regular people will never ask and answer. But the biggest ones deal with what you were saying. What is the connection between systems thinking and like algebra? They don't seem to be connected at all. We use the word logic for both of them and computer science. What is it that, what is this thing that we mean by logic? And to me, the simplest way of putting it is cause and effect. That's something anyone can understand. In that sense, even emotions can be looked at in a cause and effect framework. As long as you actually have real probabilities. You know what I mean? We're talking about regulating our own emotions and like when like teaching us how to do it. I mean, yeah, that could be an aspect of it for sure. Stacking bricks has a cause and effect. You don't see people doing equations to stack bricks, but it's a natural cause and effect. You say, okay, there's one brick, then there's two bricks. If I add a third one, it's going to be three times as tall as one of them if they're all the same length. But you don't have to write it out. You can just see it, so you don't need to discuss it that way. The way that the, the water system works, there's water, it goes into the stream, it evaporates into the clouds, it moves. There's a cause and effect, right? Now, hey, are you hanging out with the Santa Barbarians? Maybe. Uh oh. All right, don't tell me any secrets. Are there any secrets. happening? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No Santa Barbara people are the closest thing to a party. This is my friend Sarah. This is my roommate Ian. He's one of the uh, one of the better domies around these parts, by my measure. <laughs> and this is Sid. This is are those Ian, waterproof pants? the person you've never met. Yes. Yeah. How many you got? Too. This one. This is what I have. See how general. Hey. Exactly. That's perfect. Way. This is my new life. You look so great in those pants. They're giant and yellow. I might wear them as a fashion statement, but if it starts raining, it'll be like a double fashion statement. Practical. You're just gonna attract the police wearing those pants. (laughs) We should go to a protest in 30 minutes. (laughs) JV's like, I don't need to protest for Black Lives Matter. That's not my role. I don't. I don't protest. I don't think that's the most effective way for me to be involved most of the time. What? What? Just mouthed something. To me. I have no idea what that was. Are you are you allowed to protest? Am I allowed to protest? Parole? 
on parole? No, I'm not on parole. Okay, cool. Okay. I'm technically not even on probation anymore. They just said... Then you're just, allowed to protest. I can protest on probation. That's not one of the rules. Parole. <laughs> uh, I've never been on parole. I don't know. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. So it may not be one of the official rules. Protests, yeah, well, it's not safe for me to do most things that are legal. Um, Where were we? It doesn't matter. Yeah, you consider yourself a religious person, but you don't like the group thing. You don't like thinking in terms of these categories. Because they're dumb as shit. (laughs) Okay, better intro, better intro. Okay, listen. (laughs) The religious communities in America, maybe it's because they're small. Not only is there like a snitching thing happening, but... Snitching? Yeah, they're all snitches. I heard this too about, about the um the, the, to, the, the Coptics in Egypt. Apparently they're all snitches. So I thought it was like a Muslim thing to snitch, but it's just like a minority thing. So because it's like the religious community is so small, it's like I saw so and so, your daughter, being a little whore. <laughs> like that's oh. what they snitch about. <laughs> um and so not necessarily crimes, but things that other religious people might not find favorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then it's like you can't get married if you don't have a good reputation. Like, that shit. <laughs> it's like... Do you want to get married? I'm a gay-ass bitch, AP. <laughs> the more I ruin my reputation, the better. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no one proposes. That's We're what good. I was thinking, yeah. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> <Let's say. laughs> um, so that's the religious people. But then there's some other shit where I literally feel like Muslim women hate each other. Like, um, they'll just fuck each other's boyfriends <laughs> like to be fair most women hate other women that yeah but like muslim it. women hey, 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 hey. I don't know, <laughs> you know you as a as a white knight i don't know if that's true a white knight. <laughs> as a black knight yeah i think i just um I just feel like they hate each other. Like most women don't say hi to each other. So when I was when uh, when I wear the hijab, I like hijab. It's pronounced hijab. Lena calls me out for that. She's like, "You say like a white person." <laughs> when I wear the hijab, um, a lot of Muslim women um, don't say hi to me, even if I say hi to them. But when I don't wear it, or if I dress more like masculine, they I'll say hi to them. They'll just be like, or if I'm dressed in like not nice clothing and I say hi to them, they just look at me like. Because they're also wealthier here. Um, and even if they act nice to me, they'll, like, later not say hello. It's, like, this weird thing where they, like, give you this look where they're trying to tell you that they're better than you. So, I don't... I, I'm... i And the Muslim men are just... No. no. <laughs> Muslim men are the worst. <laughs> I just do not. I've never had like Muslim male friends, and I've. I'm. I swear to God, I am trying. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, like we're gonna do this. We're gonna make Muslim male friends. I just feel like they're they act so weird around women <laughs> that I like couldn't be friends. They probably are cool with each other. Like if I was a Muslim man, I probably wouldn't have an issue with Muslim men. But like around me, they're hella weird. And so. You know, I was Muslim for a month. <laughs> I swear, <Hey>. my brother. <laughs> my brother. Well, my brother and I. So I have Muslim cousins that lived in L.A., and my brother and I would stay over at their house for summers and stuff. And when we were there, we were just Muslim. Like we just woke up super early to go. We we fucking went to the masjid. Let's we do played. this together. I have a Muslim male friend. <laughs> we fasted. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But me the- and JP at the mosque <laughs> on yes. Friday. What's up? I would totally watch that show. So it's like a little mini series. A mini series. Hey, we're on our way to the mosque. <laughs> it's gonna be late. No, it would be. Are you gonna set in different prayer rooms? Do it with like an Eric Andre. Like we're gonna we're meet gonna up way in the back because <laughs> we can't be seen. A man and woman by the mosque together. We're gonna meet up way in the back. Scandalous. Maybe smoke some weed. <laughs> that was the big thing at MCA is people would like meet up before prayer and after prayer and smoke weed, and then oh. people would find out about it and be like, "Oh, they meet up and smoke weed." <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. Yep. And then all my friends who went to Muslim private schools growing up yeah. are so fucked up now. How? Religious schooling is fascinating. Because they associate religion with intense discipline. And for the rest of their lives, they, like, hate it. Hmm. Yeah, I mainly just went because they had really good basketball players. So yes. after we would all go, <laughs> there was a basketball hoop behind the mosque. 
And there was a guy who was like 5'5 five, five that could dunk. It was insane. Like I was a kid. And uh, I also remember we would all run after the ice cream truck. And one day there was this kid who got a brain injury because something happened. He, he was running after it and tripped in his head. And they were like, hey, Mustafa, Mustafa, wake up. And he was like, what day is it? What the fuck? And they, they took him out on a stretcher. And, that, and I was like, oh, my God. Something, he's not the same person. And that's when you prayed for the first time. No. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you when I prayed for the first time. I was in a Christian uh, situation. And uh, my bike chain came off. And I kept trying to put it back on. And it didn't work. And I just said, please, Lord, let me put on this bike chain. And oh, then I, I put it on and it worked. And then I went to church a couple of weeks later, maybe that weekend. And they said, okay, everybody share something that the Lord has done for you. So I said, uh, well, they fixed my bike. And they said, uh, or something that surprised you. And I said, well, uh, my, I prayed and it actually worked. And they said, what do you mean it actually worked? That's the sign. <laughs> you got to convert. They said, it you got to last together. They said, it works every time. I said, it doesn't work every time. <laughs> Jesus always answers your prayers. I said, well, I mean, there's plenty Eventually, of other shit Jesus I prayed for. This is the first time you're hearing from me, right? There's not enough information there to pull a fucking line. He might or might not, but it'll be in the same frequency as if you never did anything. It'll be murder. Have you well, run that experiment to the end? Are you That's how it was for me. That's how it was for me. What I am is a fake atheist. A fake atheist. Yeah, quasi-atheist, actually. They call that agnostic. <laughs> There's a term for that. I'm one of those guys that just lives my life. I get some Pringles. I go to the hood mart. I might ride my bike. <laughs> These are the things that fill my day. Now, as far as models of the universe, I go by physics. But that's because I was obsessed with physics not too long ago. And there's just crazy shit that you learn about in a physics class that you're like, I wish humanity could know this shit. But then you realize, like, nah, they're probably, you know, that's probably never going to happen. It's You got to do a lot to make it to this point. Well, I think the <laughs> biggest thing that I've been learning from my quasi-physics class is just that nature itself is incredibly logical. It, it is. It adheres to it's a disturbing. set of rules in a way that humans don't. And humans like to be like, the wild, nature is crazy. I'm like, but, like, they don't have as many rules, but they actually do stick to the rules that are given because there's no other fucking way. Like, if a plant doesn't have water, it's not going to fucking grow. Exactly. Yeah. But humans are like, I need water. I need water. Most of us don't drink water. We still live, so. Well, I mean. That's, that's, that's what I have to say about that. Well, I think what physics has taught me is that you can take something that appears chaotic and break it down into its systems. So that you can find the system in something that initially doesn't seem to be a system. And, um, you know, and when you do that, the creepiest, craziest thing about it is prediction. When you say, wait a minute, according to this, like you take something real, then you model it. Then you look at the model and say, wait, if this model is right, there should be this other thing that's also real. And then you look in the universe and actually fucking see it. That's what's creepy about physics. It's like, it's not just one way. It's that you can really know if you're right because you can actually find something that you didn't even see in the first place, like black holes. You got things like space-time bins. Okay, fine. Can I bring Richard? Yeah. As long as they're not a fucking nuisance. Oh, this is like an hour after. <laughs> I'm so done with Richard. I never want to see again. <laughs> I thought you were going to I just want to put that out there just so you're aware well, of that. Well, then she invited me to a protest and I'm like, hello, fuck with you. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Oh, that's why you brought up that protest. You should go to the protest. Oh, so yeah, she's going to come protest. drive me over probably. Oh, come and then pick you up. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys don't want to go unless you do. What is this protest? Because you just started bringing up parole. <laughs> Wait, what are you gonna do? Is this a crime that you want me to commit? <laughs> In that case, I won't do it even if I'm not on parole. We are tired of your police killing us and getting away with us. Hey, you can still fire these officers. Not in our streets. Not in our schools. Not in our watch. There need to be consequences that match the crime done on this community. Sac yeah. PD has been touched, untouched in this madness. They murdered us in our yards. Officer Jared, Rob, Bennett, and Terrence Mercado been back at work. They have been back patrolling these streets, continuing to live their lives while the Clark family mourns the life they took. Let them feel us today. Come out now to the police station. 
Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Going to the police station? No thanks. I didn't even breathe that entire time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. I'm not going to that protest. That makes perfect sense. 100%. <laughs> not because I'm on quasi-probation either. Why? Because you don't believe I just don't want to... Well... I I don't see that that I don't see a direct connection between me personally doing that and anything happening, but I do see a direct you don't connection. Believe in God, <laughs> that's also true. That's a very direct connection. But you can't I, believe in that. What I Allah is like fifteen steps away. You know? <laughs> well, what I do believe here's the thing: you got to grant me this. What I do believe is that if there is a protest, there will be some consequence. But that protest is independent of the people at the protest. Like, if mm. it was 300 people, it doesn't matter which 300. As long as they're all interested, mm, that yeah. is what matters. So that group thing does not depend on me. It doesn't. So shouts out to, you know, whatever movement is trying to protest, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What dorm number are you in? Dorm number? Dome. <laughs> Nine. Just, it's my, well, Does Reach yeah. know enough about the dome? Sid's going to be here that, in that's... 10 minutes. <laughs> Reach is going to be here, sorry. Yeah, Sid is going to be here in 10 minutes. Unless you're leaving with Reach. Okay, well, in that case, it's time to wrap things up with the most important. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're excited that Reach is coming. <laughs> It's time to wrap things up with the most important, the most question, important question in the universe. In the universe. Bounce or spin? <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to take five minute breaks. Wait, it's over. Just answer <laughs> the fucking the last question. Bounce or spin? <laughs> I prefer to spin because then your head gets all woo. <laughs> and you can flip your hair around. With the reasoning, everything. Oh, here. bouncing is fun, but it takes more energy. Spinning is just like, yeah. Well, that physically, if you do physics, take a couple of physics classes, that might not be the case. One takes more energy. What's your answer? <laughs> Spin, because it's like you can get drunk without any booze. That's right. She's right. 